You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Bill Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, sometimes even the international, covering down on all the issues. And, yep, like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is uh, Tuesday, which we affectionately refer to as Camel Eve around here. So Camel Eve Day, and Boomer's on the board. Hey, bro. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm pretty good. It's sunny now, so I'm I'm. It makes me happy. It was bleak this morning. Yeah, like, like this morning, like the sun just decided it wasn't going to come up for a while. It just just got dark. <laughs> Made me want to stay home and sleep. <laughs> but the little one just ran in and told me to wake and up. That was so it. I'm, okay. Yeah. yeah, you're done at that point. <laughs> <laughs> little dudes, as a, was a little dude coming in just saying, little, okay, yep. All little right. dude, little dude, and then the other one crying in the other room. So, all right. Well, you know. so at that point, you're done, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, hey, and uh, casual Phil here today, enjoying wearing wearing my, uh, yes. my hoodie and a hat. Had no lawyering to do this morning that uh, required uh, getting dressed up. So here I is. But hey, we got a great show lined up for you. Uh, Three o'clock today. Uh, Jeff Poor, he's on the show usually with us on Wednesdays anyway. But uh, he was at the inaugural yesterday, and I I didn't get to go this year. And and I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But uh, so Jeff Poor was down there, and I called him, and I said, I said, hey man, can you come on today and give us your perceptions, your 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 what you saw, what you were you inclined to believe, how to how did it go down? And uh, so we'll hear firsthand from Jeff Poor, executive editor of eighteen nineteen News and uh, FM Talk one zero six five down in the Mobile area at uh, three o'clock. And then there's a triple dipper. Hit it, bud. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. So listen, number one, I got this is becoming a regular thing, Boomer. I just, you know, it's like I get I get a segment of stuff. Oh, that's Alabama. Oh, that's Alabama. Look at that Alabama thing. Home fries. Home that's fries. Home fries. Cooking up some home fries for today. So we're gonna go down the home fries. And I could, by the way, I could use some home fries right now. That sounds good. But anyway, home fries. Number one of the triple dipper. Talking about Alabama centric stories, things that are happening around your neck of the woods. And uh, we'll fill you in on details. Things you're gonna want to know about things right here at the home front. Home fries. So uh, I like saying that apparently, but uh, <laughs> but number two in the triple dipper. So I I found this series of stories and I looked at them and I thought, okay, would they still would they still do it that way if they had the chance? Or okay, they're looking back now and going, hmm, maybe that shouldn't have gone that way. Or hey, now Republicans are in charge and they're the ones looking back. And I'm thinking, you know what? Every one of these is like, in hindsight, would you do it that way again? Well, we're gonna talk about it. So in hindsight is number two in the Triple Dipper, uh, some very, very interesting stories. You're going to want to hear this. And then number three, Swamp Watch. And by the way, the swamp is not just D.C. The swamp is anywhere where the gators are lurking in the murky waters trying to convince you that what you know is right is really wrong and vice versa. So we're going we're gonna to talk about it. The Swamp Watch, as people try not just because they're woke and they're out there raging on the street corners, but they're in their official capacities trying to change your world for the leftist view. Yeah, Swamp Watch will take care of that as number three on the Triple Dipper. 
Well, let me let me jump over to my comments. So, let me ask you. If you, by the way, unless you've been under a rock, you've been seeing all the stuff about the, you know, the the, the classified documents that are just turning up now. Um, the, the amazing lack of response that we're seeing from the Biden administration. Well, have you noticed that's the way things are going lately with the Biden administration? Nothing to see here. Everyone move along. I mean, just ask the question, any question about, say, the southern border. Or, like I said, the perpetual cycle of classified documents that just keep appearing out of the ether. And everyone in the admin, including the big guy himself, gets that funny kind of sick pallor and immediately begins avoiding eye contact. It reminds me, be honest with you, it reminds me of the dog we used to have. So now I got to tell you about my dog. Now, we lost him a few years ago, but he was like our third child. A big old black Doberman pincher named Ranger, and Charlene named him, not me. Now, the average weight for a Doberman is 60 to 70 pounds. My dog, Ranger, weighed in 120 pounds. He could look fearsome, too, man. I've seen the pizza man jump off the porch, but he was smart. He was so smart. I mean, you could actually speak to him in a conversational tone, and he knew exactly what you were saying. I'd look at him and just, like, say, I'm going downstairs. You want to go? And he would meet me at the stairwell. And I'd look at him and say, Range dog, you're not going to bring your Chewy? And then he would turn around and look, and he'd run around, find his rawhide Chewy, and head downstairs to watch TV with me. And he would smile, a big smile. Don't tell me dogs don't smile. My ranger dog smiled, and I know it. But Charlene, well, I'd say, I'd like to say she turned that big, fearsome 120-pound Doberman into a 120-pound lap dog. I mean, big old black Doberman with scary teeth standing almost waist-high at the shoulder, and Charlene would just look at him and say, who's pretty? And he would just wag that stubby tail and get all beside himself. He was a good dog, too, but he, he could be mischievous. He was a prankster. I mean, he loved to, if you were reading, he'd come over there with his nose and knock the book out of your hands or a newspaper out of the way if you were reading it. He would go get a sock sometimes or something else that he knew better than to get and then just come and stare at you and see what you'd do. But sometimes, you know, sometimes he stepped across the line and he was smart. He was so smart. And he knew when he'd gone too far because he would stop making eye contact. Ranger, what'd you do? Well, the dog looks away like you're talking to somebody else. Ranger, look at me. Grab his face, turn him to look right at me. His eyes would roll off to the side. <laughs> you're holding his face facing towards you and his eyes are looking sideways. Nothing to see here. Don't make eye contact. It'll be all right. It was classic avoidance. Don't make eye contact. Even dogs know how to do that. And I miss my dog. But I'll tell you that story because it leads back to my topic today. Avoiding eye contact is exactly what the Biden admin is trying to do. And I mean that in both the practical and in the, you know, uh, sort of analogy type sense. This administration has a perpetual habit of attempting to willfully pretend, literally pretend, that if they don't talk about something, that if they avoid eye contact, it'll all just go away. Well, I got a news flash. Bad news does not get better with time. Body language experts say that breaking eye contact communicates that you don't want to continue the conversation, that you desire some distance that can be rooted, by the way, in a psychological need to protect yourself from some kind of anticipated embarrassment or shame or other negative feelings that could happen when the interaction is going on. One study even found that individuals who held neurotic traits were less comfortable with direct eye contact and they prefer to face others with their gaze averted. Well, so yesterday I spent some time unpacking the chaos on our southern border right here on the show, right? And we have reached epic levels that are hard to fathom. I mean, in terms of this, and I'm getting to my point about the eye contact, but in terms of the southern border, just imagine that the entire population of the state of Alabama, all 5.1 million decided one day just to leave everything, just drop it all, and walk to Florida. 
How would Florida feed us? Where would we sleep? What are the jobs there for us to do? Well, that's our southern border right now. Close to 5 million people when you include the gotaways. But when the president of the United States met with the president of Mexico last week, there was no discussion about it. No policy decisions, no addressing the strain on our systems, no diplomatic pressure, no eye contact. At least that was until the press conference. When the world saw President Obrador of Mexico standing between the presidents of Canada and the United States and President Obrador decided to give the Biden administration, Mr. Biden himself, the ultimate backhanded compliment. In a moment that I still cannot believe happened, President Obrador, who just two and a half years ago during the Trump administration said he had, quote, no opinion about the wall, decided to thank President Biden in front of the whole world for being, in his words, quote, the only president to not build a single meter of border wall for which he thanked the president of the United States. Watch the video. Watch the video. I kid you not. As Biden's translator spoke into his earpiece and he realized what was being said by the president of Mexico, he got the translation of Obrador's comments. You can actually watch Biden reach up and anxiously scratch the imaginary itch on the side of his head and then begin looking down, avoiding eye contact. And probably, by the way, wishing Obrador would stop creating sound bites that are going to be replayed over and over again in the next campaign season. But then, okay, there's the daily unfolding saga of the classified documents that keep turning up and turning up and turning up again. A batch of secrets here, a spare top secret over there, laying in closets and desk drawers, and of course, an old cardboard boxes in the garage next to Biden's Corvette. Ask about them, though, and the eye contact goes away. The other day, Fox's Peter Ducey managed to be the last man standing when the press gaggle began shouting at Biden at the end of his prepared remarks. Ducey called out, and this is what he said. He called out, you had classified documents in your garage. What were you thinking? Well, watch the video. Immediately, when the question, what were you thinking, came out of Ducey's mouth, you can watch the president look down. Immediately, his eyes go down as he struggles to find comfort in a prepared statement that he then fumbled through for a tortured minute or two. All the while, as the president of the free world, the commander-in-chief, the occupier of the seat of power at the Resolute Desk in the Oval Office, could not make contact, eye contact, with a bunch of scary reporters. I mean, it's sad, really. We have a right to expect more from our leadership. It doesn't matter whether we voted for the man or not. He occupies the office of the presidency of the United States, and it shouldn't be too much to ask for him to simply have the wherewithal, the backbone, to look issues in the eye. And I mean that both physically and figuratively. Look things in the eye. So yeah, when my dog avoided eye contact, it was cute. It was funny. When there are lives and limb and property on the line, and it all comes back to one administration, you can't just sit idly by and pretend, Mr. President, you have to own it. It's called leadership. And I know, sir, that you have not held a proper job in your entire adult life, never had to write a paycheck or balance a budget, never had to truly lead anything or anybody, and it shows. But I'm going to tell you all, me speaking back to you, the audience, POTUS needs a life coach right now. Right now, we can see it. You can't just say nothing here, move along. Mr. President, you own all of this. And you need to stop avoiding eye contact and start looking the American people in the eye, figuratively and physically. And that's a wrap for the right side way. Well, there you have it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's one of those things you look at it and go, it's body language, man. I get it. It's just body language. It's just body language, Phil. Body language means something. When you're on the world stage and you are the physical embodiment of who we're supposed to be as a nation, leading the world, hopefully, 
The idea that you could avert your gaze and be uncomfortable in public is pretty difficult to swallow. And it implies that we don't have strong leadership. Then again, maybe we don't have strong leadership. All right, Phil Williams, Right Side Way, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Uh, when I tell you what, we uh, <laughs> text lines are open. Uh, you hear me laughing. That means text lines are probably open because I'm reading some of the things that people say. But yeah, you want to text in 833-687-4448. That's 833-687-4448. Four eight, um, and th- th- that's really if the fancy way of saying it is eight three three six eight right. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you text in for the very first time, uh, then then you know text us where you're from and your first name, and we'll plug you right in. Got some uh, new folks on the line today that I don't know. Did we get their name yet, Boomer? Somebody texted in earlier, and all I had was a phone number, and I responded back. Nope, not yet. There's so uh, uh, yeah, somebody just texted in and said, "Is this the right number to text Right Side Radio with Phil Williams?" Well, yes, it is, and uh, but we need to know who you are. So there's that one. Uh, Randall from Newmarket just sent me a video clip of a dog talking, and I know that dog talks. A dog's talk, and I know it's true. And then uh, Tony from Piedmont just texted in uh, talking about my big old Doberman, 120 pounds. Uh, he said, "Yep, Dobermans. I've raised every color. They just didn't get that big." Um, and yeah, I've had uh, Tony. I've had uh, black and red Dobies, and um, they are just—they're good dogs. And uh, but, but when I said I've seen the pizza man jump off the porch, I kid you not, Boomer. You, now you never—you never saw a ranger, did you? I don't think so. Um, you would know if you did. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he was—he was a good—he—he he loved people, but he had to know that they were our people before he would love them. And it was—I mean, like he was very. Territorial, which the breed is territorial, but uh, but I literally would say to people, they come to the door, and if they didn't, if he didn't already know it, once he knew you, he knew you for life. Right. But um, but if they came to the door for the first time, you know, he's he's barking, and I'm saying, Ranger, sit. And he he was very obedient. We we trained him, and he he would sit, and I'd say, I'd look to the person and say, let him see me shake your hand, and they go, okay, and that was the sign. If Ranger saw you shake my hand, you were golden. And so he'd slobber on you and love on you, and then we had to tell him to leave you alone. But um, anyway, so awesome. A good, I tell you how big, how, how big and strong he was, though, because I mean that was like having a small horse in the house. Sometimes, Ooh. I mean, literally, he he was he was up to Charlene's waist easily. But um, it, <laughs> but it's not funny. But so when when my son Josh, when he was uh, twelve, thirteen, uh-huh. so the the one thing that I wish we had done with Ranger is socializing with other dogs because he did not like other dogs. And that was our fault. We didn't ever realize the need to socialize him like that. Anyway, so Josh was out front and there was somebody coming, walking their dog up the street. And he saw Ranger get that kind of forward leaning posture. Like he was like, he was like, (laughs) and, and Josh reached over and grabbed his collar. Right. As he did Ranger bolted and it snapped Josh's ankle. Oh no. To this day, he has a screw in his ankle. They had to, (sighs) 
I mean, and it's not because he had weak ankles. Right. I mean, uh, <laughs> wow. So, so yeah, big old honking dog is what he was. Miss my dog. Oh. Um, so uh, there's a. I got a text from Mike from Athens. Mike, I don't know the answer to your question yet. What's the status of Space Force in Huntsville? Nothing's been uh, announced yet. Um, the last thing we have was in early December, saying that a decision was likely imminent any time now. Well, how long have we been hearing that? So, yeah, we don't know, uh, Mike, but it's supposed to be Huntsville. Uh, in fact, it's already been, let's put it this way, it's already been announced as Huntsville. They're going to have to retract it. Uh, but since they went back to the drawing board on studies and all the things they had to do, you know, anyway. Um, but the, the nice thing is, uh, and this goes in our favor, Boom. So if Space Command is coming to Huntsville, you got to know that with Space Command coming to Huntsville, it cannot hurt us one bit that the new chairman of the House Armed Services Committee is Alabama Congressman Mike Rogers. Oh, and by the way, the newest appointee to House Armed Services on top of that is also, oh, by the way, going to be um, Congressman Dale Strong from Huntsville. Mm. So you've got a sitting member of the North Alabama portion of our delegation for whom Space Command would be in his district, who is probably going to lean in on this and go, hey, you know what's going to have to happen here. And they're all going to say, yes, Congressman. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But that's uh, Mike from Athens. That's the most I know, brother. That's all I know. Um, hey, by the way, I had a question on one of the text lines uh, was, uh, hey, Phil, what stations are you on? So, I, you know, I don't usually say that. No reason why I can't. Uh, so bottom line is we are syndicated. Uh, we are on multiple stations across the northern part of the state. Um, and they overlap. So depending on where you are, you might pick them up in two different places. But uh, 770 AM, 92.5 FM, Cumulus Broadcasting, that's WVNN out of Huntsville. That's 770 AM, 92.5 FM. And then we're also contracted with Crawford Broadcasting Group, uh, Media Group, uh, out of uh, the Birmingham market. But they have towers in Coleman and then down south of Birmingham. It gives us a huge range. Uh, so that's uh, WYDE 850 AM and WXJC 101.1 FM. So we're on multiple AMs and FMs and then also streaming live online. And if you ever forget, you can go to our website, www.rightsideradio.org. No matter where you are in the big wide world, go to the World Wide Web, go to rightsideradio.org, and you can listen live. No matter where you is, there we is. All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We're coming right back. Home fries. What's happening around the home front? We'll be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. Talk about we go down south of Birmingham, way up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi. Thrown in just for good measure. Um, First section of the Triple Dipper, home fries. And you're going to want to stay tuned because top of the hour, uh, Jeff Poor is going to call in uh, and kind of cap off the home fries segment, talking about time he spent yesterday in Montgomery at the inauguration. Um, By the way, Boomer, you ever been to the inaugural events in Montgomery? I have not. Okay. I'm going to suggest that uh, more Alabamians should do that. Um, it's just one of those, it's cool. It's, 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 you know, it's pomp and circumstance. It's official. It's, um, it reminds you that the seat of government actually means something. And, and at times it also gives you something to look at and go, well, I didn't vote for that person, but they give a good speech. You know, there's some of that, <laughs> but you know, there's parades, you know, just, it's just, it, it gives you this sense that, okay, you know what? It was more than just the going to the polls on voting day and then hoping for the best that there's actually like a swearing in. There's a, it's not just what you see in D.C. It's what happens in Montgomery. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just the first time uh, I went, I remember having this sense that wow, I'm I'm down here watching something real. So uh, yeah, I would just encourage more Alabamians. You can go down there and stand in the crowd and watch the speeches being made on the steps of the uh, state capitol and staring straight down Dexter Avenue. Um, so much history there. So much. I mean, think about how much history has been right there on Dexter Avenue. I mean, it's everything from the civil rights movement being uh, birthed right there, just just a, a, what two blocks down from the Capitol, uh, Dexter Memorial, um, uh, where where um, uh, Martin Luther King used to preach. There's there's you know the state Capitol, which so much has happened there, and you know if you get down to it, what a dichotomy. I mean, you can literally see the 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 former White House, little White House of the Confederacy, they call it, uh, off to the side, while right down the street is a seat of the civil rights movement. I mean, there's so much there. There's a there's a place on the steps where it notes the fact that on this spot, Jefferson Davis stood stood and was sworn in as the president of the Confederacy. Wow! And yet, right down the street, you've got a place where, um, you know, Martin Luther King took to the pulpit, and and not far away, Rosa Parks, and you know, in, in the and the march from Selma, and I mean, it's just amazing the amount of history that has gone on right there in that one place. Uh, on a variety of capacities. Anyway, that was a, I just, sorry, chase that rabbit. Um, all right, first section, home fries, things that are happening around the area. Hey, Boom, you so, um, you just moved back here from the, uh, you're a carpetbagger from Tennessee almost. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> what, like 18 years in the Nashville area? Uh, yeah, but eight, nine, 19, 18, 19 years, yes. Yeah, uh, so... Ooh. Multiple times, I'm sure, you drove I-65 north and south. Oh, uh, to the so Tennessee many line. times, yes. All right, so let me ask you. Uh, when you when you drove that route um, and you saw the giant landmark of the uh, of the um, Saturn rocket at the state border near the, at the rest stop, did you kind of know where you were at that point? Like, oh, there's that like landmark in your mind? Oh, absolutely. I love that landmark. It may be going away. Oh. Yeah. Been there since 1979. Ooh, why? Why? Uh, well, it's because it's, it's getting rusty, old, and deteriorating. And it, you know, the last thing you want to do is uh, have a Saturn V rocket land on the interstate. Um, so very true. Yeah, yeah. Saturn V rocket versus uh, an eighteen wheeler. I'm not sure who would win, <laughs> but um, yeah. AL.com reports as of today, uh, the NASA rest stop rocket is decaying, and it may be time for it to go. Uh, I, this is a landmark, by the way. It like, is. like most of my life, 
I mean, so I was 14 when they put it up, born in 65. Uh, you were just a nubbin. You, was was, a, you were was a, nubbin a nubbin of a child. I was a nubbin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what a nubbin is, but uh, there you were. You were a little nubbin. But yeah, I remember that. I mean, growing up, I had family in uh, the Tennessee area, so we would go up there growing up. But then when I went to school as well in college, yeah. man, I was back and forth all the time. And then once y'all got married and you stayed there, you had to come back home for a visit for Christmas or whatever else, too. Oh, so yeah. I, I guarantee you drove that route. Anyway, yeah. all right, folks, how many of y'all, I mean, Jeff from Indiana, if he's listening right now, Jeff, I'm sure one of your landmarks is, oh, good, there's the rocket. I know exactly where I am. Well, it may be going away. The NASA rest stop rocket that has greeted people arriving to Alabama from Tennessee on I-65 for more than four decades is rusting and needs to be replaced. And the Welcome Center has also been shut down because it's old and out of date. Says the fact is, it's been up there so many years, it's pretty amazing, said Lee Sintel, the director of Alabama Tourism Department. And the, the total amount is 44 years. Ooh. So, yeah, they put it up in 79. It was donated by the Space and Rocket Center. I had an extra rocket laying around. Well, we got an extra. <laughs> what do you want to do with it? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, well, let's just put it at a rest area. You guys want it? We're not using it. Go ahead. All right. We'll take it. Anyway, 160 feet high, 168 feet high, 22 feet in diameter. And it stands there as a symbol of Huntsville's role in the space program. It was repainted in 2006, had more maintenance done in 2014, but it's steadily deteriorating. And they note that it was never meant to stand for, you know, almost half a, half a century. Um, and it may just be too expensive and impractical. They say it could take well over a million dollars just to take it down and clean it, not, to, not the least of which would be to, you know, to actually do something to, to fix it. So anyway... There's that, and that's oh. just bummer, but that's, that's a home fry issue if I ever heard one because uh, all of us have seen that. All right, home fries, more news, things that are happening, some good, some bad. So, man, those, you know, first of all, I'm still kind of getting over the fact that we had massive tornado outbreaks in Alabama in January. Am I, am I right? That's like, that's way off season, right? I mean, I'm correct in saying that, aren't I? Uh, Tornadoes in January? Oh, yeah, weird. Yeah, like almost... Feels apocalyptic. Like why? The, yeah, we don't have tornadoes in January. Was it followed quickly by hordes of locusts, swarms of locusts, and things? <laughs> I guess so. Well, anyway, uh, it turns out that one of those tornadoes, uh, the one that went through Otaga County, um, and it actually, what? How many people died? In this we we had we had a number. Seven people died. There it mm. is. Ale.com reports as of yesterday that there were fourteen, brother. There were fourteen tornadoes that touched down on January twelfth. January 12th. Man. 14. 14? I mean, I know California's got its monsoon rains. I know that if you live in certain places, you deal with hurricanes on the coast. I know that there are some places that are prone to receive blizzards and, you know, lake effect snow. Y'all, everybody's got their thing. Alabama's got tornadoes. You live in Tornado Alley right here, and Hmm. wow. So I've been through a few, but there were 14 that one day. Wow. Nine of them in central Alabama, one in north Alabama, one in southeast Alabama, three in southwest Alabama. I mean, they got way down south. But the Autauga County tornado was a long tracker. And those long track tornadoes are the ones that are the most deadly. 76-mile track for that thing. Almost 77. 76-mile track. That makes it the 10th longest tornado track in Alabama history. In January. I'm sorry, it was the ninth longest in history. Um, it was on the ground for an hour and 20 minutes. The same tornado was on the ground for an hour and 20 minutes. At one point, it is believed that it was roughly 1,500 yards wide. I mean, you picture a tornado like the, like the, the kind of the, um, you know, the ubiquitous 
view of a tornado is that narrow kind of, you know, like a cone shape and the, the small part touching the ground, 15 football fields wide. What, what even compares to that? I don't know. That's like, that's like all 18 holes of a golf course. Wow. Anyway, killed seven people in January, ninth longest in state history. Uh, by the way, a typical tornado track, this article says, is only one to two miles long. This one was 77 miles long. Um, the longest one, by the way, in Alabama history, oh, God, was in 1973. Yep, May of 73. An F4 tornado that went from Greensboro all the way to Mount Cheehaw for 139 straight continuous miles. Good Lord. Wow. All right. Uh, I, I need to move on to something a little more, uh, I don't know, heartening <laughs> after that. Uh, here's a great story. So, boom, you ever heard of in the military, there's a thing called the Soldier's Medal you ever, in, the, in the Army. You ever heard of a Soldier's Medal? I've, I've heard of it. Okay, so a Soldier's Medal is, um, is, is an award for valor uh, at the risk of your own life, saving someone else's life, but you're not in combat. It's a, it's a non-combat award. It's a peacetime award. Um, so you're not in the presence of the enemy, but yet you're in the presence of such danger that your own risk, your life was at risk in order to do the things you did. All right. So All right. I'm giving you the Phil Williams version, but that's it. Um, and they're rare and they should be because it's, it's, it's designed to be something that is recognized only for those select cases. Kind of like, well, in this case, apparently it ranks uh, right up there with the wartime version of the Distinguished Service Cross, which is second only to the Medal of Honor. Mm. All right. So the and we're Distinguished Flying Cross. Uh, in, in some cases. So the, 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 anyway, let me quit stumbling over my words. I'll go to the article. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Yellowhammer News reports. As of uh, three days ago, a Fort Rucker firefighter was awarded the Soldier's Medal for life-saving bravery in Alabama's Wiregrass. So first of all, let me just tell you, this is America right here. I mean, I read the story and I think, America! Because we, and by the way, it's so, it's so encouraging for me and all the times we talked about the woke military and problems with recruiting and whether we're you know, at a state of readiness that we need to be at in order to, you know, to achieve parity with our or maintain parity or above with our near peer adversaries, all that aside, there are still troops in uniform, men and women, who are literally the epitome of what we want. And this dude, Specialist Kevin Killens of Fort Rucker, is one of those. Because not only was he an MP on active duty doing what he believed he was supposed to do, in his off time, he was a volunteer firefighter. I mean, the guy's just like dedicated wow. to service. So, yeah, here's a story on Yellowhammer. Specialist Kevin Killens, a Fort Rucker firefighter with the 6th MP Detachment, was awarded the Soldier's Medal on January 5th in a ceremony for risking his life to save the life of a resident down in the Wiregrass community. Says that uh, he was a PFC at the time, had just completed a 12-hour volunteer shift. So he's off duty. So he goes and does a 12-hour shift driving a rescue squad ambulance uh, in the remote regions of uh, down there in Coffee County. He's out on a county road when uh, he and his partner uh, saw a structural fire. They notified dispatch, and they realized nobody was going to get there in time. They, they, they drove to the building. They heard screams on the inside. No other first responders around. So Killens and his uh, partner from the rescue squad found their way into the building, ran through uh, a debris field uh, and flames. They found a man inside with severe burns. They dragged him out of the building 100 yards of safety. They gave life-saving aid. They wrapped his hands. They gave him oxygen. And they rushed him to the nearest hospital. They saved his life. Mm. Uh, he would have died. Uh, and the timing, it says, uh, of his arrival on the scene and intervention were actually critical to the man's uh, continued existence on this earth. Mm. 
uh, and for his courage, he was awarded the Soldier's Medal. Major General Michael McCurry said, it's not enough to save a life. You have to save a life at the risk of your own. Um, he has been serving, by the way, with the Daleville Fire and Rescue on weekends for the last three years, in addition to being a firefighter on the post. Love that. So, yeah, Soldier's Medal, established by an act of Congress um, in 1926, awarded to any person of the armed forces of the United States or of a friendly nation who, while serving in any capacity with the Army of the United States, distinguishes themselves by heroism not involving actual conflict with an enemy. That's just cool. That's just America. That happened right here in your backyard. That's, That's right down awesome. yonder at Fort Worth. Yeah, it is. Man. Home fries. All right, Boomer, take a break. We'll come right back. We're going to finish up some more home fries. Guess who is back coaching in Alabama? Uh, maybe a guy who's the last person in the world you would have expected. And then top of the hour, Jeff Poor calling in about the inaugural festivities down yonder in Montgomery. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, letting my favorite bump music play out a little bit. Got to. Got to, man. Black Crows back in the day when they were really hot. Uh, yep. Okay. We are back. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. It is smoking hot in the studio today, bud. It's, it's so hot. It may be all the hot air. I don't know. <laughs> but all I know is there are so many devices running in this room right now that uh, we literally have to turn the air conditioning on. It's January. We have tornadoes, and the air conditioning is on. And it was raining this morning, storming, now it's pretty outside. I don't understand. Oh, it's just, you all know, over the place. If you don't like the weather in Alabama, wait 10 minutes. It will likely change. So there's <laughs> there's that. Uh, I've gotten, by the way, uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and just, you know, I, I will accept it when the time comes that I am not just plain right, which is rare. <laughs> I mean, there's the old joke about uh, I've only been wrong once, and that was the time that I thought I was wrong, and I wasn't wrong. <laughs> so that was the time I was wrong was when that I was thought it. I was wrong, but I wasn't. Um, so, but, so I just got corrected. Somebody called in, and then somebody else named Greer emailed me, and they were, like, very clear. In fact, Greer, like, put double exclamation points at the end of his sentence. <laughs> the rocket is not a Saturn V. It's a Saturn 1B. Okay. Sorry. It's a freaking rocket by the interstate, and we all love it, and we don't want it to go away. <laughs> I had one, I had one uh, listener texted in and said, why don't we use some of that budget surplus just to glass that sucker in and protect it? And I, I don't think that would wind up being a budget priority right now. <laughs> um, but uh, John from Huntsville texted in, we're doing home fries right now. He says, your home fries got me thinking about creating a new unique restaurant called Heads or Tails. I don't know where we're going here, John, but okay. <laughs> oh, he says the right side of the menu would have dishes only because it's some kind of an animal. <laughs> and, well, okay. John, John is literally just, just rambling in his text to me right now. Um, anyway, 
Uh, okay, I, enough. Uh, I got plenty of text messages coming in. Appreciate all of you. Let me jump back to my content here real quick before I run out of time. Top of the hour, Jeff Poor is calling in. We're going to talk about some stuff that came out of the Montgomery festivities and what his perceptions were about, you know, where people say we're going. Because when they give the speeches, it's like they're making their promises. They're saying, thank you, and here's what I'm going to do. Um, but home fries. Guess who is back in coaching? Who's that? Boomer, do you remember Hoover U, the TV show, the reality show about Hoover uh, High School? And, you know, they were the one of the biggest high schools in the yeah. entire Southeast. Yeah. Yeah. Hoover U. And their football team, by the way, was in the top 25. was actually number one in the nation for like 2006, I think. Right. And they were very good. Yeah. So Rush Probst was the coach. And Rush Probst, um, you know, great he coaching. He Well, he left with some scandal. Oh. He resigned. Some would some speculate he may have been forced to resign. There were there were allegations of you know grade fixing. There was allegations of uh, recruiting. Uh, there were allegations of you know ineligible players being allowed to play. Mm. Uh, there were, there were uh, and then there were allegations in his personal life that were pretty rough. Um, and so he did. He resigned. He went away for a while. It was not without scandal, um, but he had a winning record. He went to coach in Georgia. Uh, I think he went through at least two schools over in Georgia. He's back in Alabama. Back in Alabama. Where is he at? Story on 1819 News. Right, right sure in Gadsden, Alabama. So apparently he's a North Alabama guy, a Northeast Alabama guy already. He, he, he grew up, I think, in Piedmont. Um, and, uh, and his son plays football in Piedmont. And Rush Probst said, he says literally, he said, you got to have a purpose in your life. And I've lost my purpose the last couple of years. I've really struggled in what I want to do. I can't see myself being retired any longer. And then again, my name has some clouds around it, and I'm going to try and clear those clouds. And this is the perfect place to do it. That perfect place is little bitty old Coosa Christian High School in Gadsden, Alabama. Right here. Right here. Whoa. Like, it wasn't long ago Coosa Christian could only field an eight-man team, like an eight-man per side. Right. And so, I didn't know they, they were that big. Uh, well... They're class one A, um, okay. so I mean it's 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 a small school, uh, but yeah. So Rush Probst has apparently been hired. He's going to be going to Coosa Christian High School in uh, Gadsden, Alabama. Wow! And right. we'll hope that uh, he's able to clear those clouds because they definitely mm-hmm. followed him around. Uh, okay, next thing I got on the list here, y'all heard me. Home fries, things happening. You remember we had uh, the thing uh, a few weeks ago. We actually had um, a, a friend of mine who's now a state senator, um, uh, Lance Bell from St. Clair County, call in, and we talked for a bit. One of the things we covered was there's a landfill fire. If y'all are, if you're not down in the Trustville, Moody, um, you know St. Clair County area, some over into like going all the way over to um, like which which part of the of the Birmingham area was it Vestavia, I think. But, uh, but yeah, this, this landfill fire has gotten so bad, it's been burning for almost two months. It's, it's burning at about, a, they reckon it's burning like 23 to 50 acres. They're not sure how much, sometimes as deep as 150 feet underground. So bad, the trustful city schools are having to now limit the outdoor activities that students participate in. No way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they got to get this thing under control. Yeah. St. Clair County Commission declared a state of emergency. There it is. Coming right back, Jeff Poor from FM Talk 1065 and 1819 News. We'll talk. Y'all stay tuned.
all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Bill Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got local, state, national, sometimes even the international, covering down on the issues. And solid, conservative, and just plain right, like the dude just said. Hey, Boomer, real quick before we go to the phones, uh, I, I was. <laughs> it's funny when our texters start sparring with each other. Uh, so literally, John from Huntsville, <laughs> really? John from Huntsville sent uh, a long text about a kind of restaurant he was thinking about, and I didn't even know I could get through that reading. And Leanne from Huntsville texted in and said, "John, you're getting in the way of the triple dippers." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that's good. That's good. All right, hey, listen, we're going to go to the uh, the lines right now. The phone lines. Um, Jeff Poor is uh, the uh, the guy who hosts the Jeff Poor Show. Uh, at FM Talk 106.5 down in the Mobile Coastal Regions. And he's also, by the way, the executive editor at 1819 News. Uh, he has been at the inaugural events in Montgomery. I thought, you know what, I want to hear it firsthand. Because uh, I've enjoyed those events before, but you also kind of go down there and you look and you listen and you see and you figure out what's really being said and what's going to happen. Anyway, without further ado, let me bring on my friend Jeff Poor. Jeff Rowe, how are you doing today, man? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So you spent the the day down there? Did you broadcast your show from Montgomery or what? I took today out the show yesterday because the, the inauguration. Well, the inauguration is the same time as my show, so uh, I, you can't do both. Well, I guess I guess that's true. Live, I'm speaking over the governor right now. That doesn't always go over very well. No, and she's she's you know not a big fan anyway. So um, <laughs> of the show, so uh, I, I kind of um, decided to uh, hand off the hosting duties to someone else. So let me ask you this: I, I was telling the, sh- the the listeners earlier on my show that um, I mean I I enjoy the inaugural events. I, to me, I found them fascinating. I it, I felt like it, it it made things feel real. Like okay, it's more than just I voted at the polls. There's that person actually giving a speech on our state capitol steps. Um, what about you? Do you find any magic in it at all, or is it just perfunctory and you're there to, to sort of observe and report? No, it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's a formality, and I, I think it, it, it emphasizes the importance of the office and offices, I should say, because, I mean, if you just, like, wake up and the next day you're governor or mayor or senator or whatever, I mean, what's the point, right? I mean, you, you just win your election. Uh, I, I think this adds a little ump, a little importance to the whole deal. And it makes for, it makes, maybe it makes somebody realize in the moment that this is a very, very serious job. Well, and I agree with that. Um, and I, and I appreciate seeing them sworn in, actually taking the oath of office, you know, that kind of stuff. And, I, and I'll tell you too, I, the first one I went to was Bentley's first inaugural. Um, and, um, and, and that's, that's back when I would just say it this way, that uh, Kay Ivey had more oomph back then. And she used to give some amazing speeches. I mean, she was a great speech maker right. uh, back in the day. And and I remember that day, she got up to be sworn in as lieutenant governor, and she made Bentley's governor's speech just look lame. And, I mean, she gave a firebrand of a speech, and I thought, that's the best speech of the entire day right there. So what It's, fu- it's funny you say that because, I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember Kay Ivey 
at every RNC being sort of, you know, she's always elected, you know, the chairman or the leader of the, uh, the caucus there that was sent down to the convention and she would be the one to get on national TV because Alabama goes first, uh, the great state of Alabama, home of the Crimson Tide national championship (laughs) football team. And it was like, well, you know, and now not quite as much there. No. Well, well, so tell me this then just, just your perspective. You watched all the speeches yesterday. Uh, who gave the best speech of the ones being sworn in and speaking? I mean, wasn't terrible. And the difference is in 2018, I went, I mean, her speech is like an hour, you know, it went on forever. <laughs> this was about a third that length, I would say, but, uh, I mean, her speech wasn't bad because it was an improvement. I thought, uh, Ainsworth, I mean, I think Ainsworth gives a lot of the same speeches, whenever I see him, uh, Marshall was pretty good about the importance of the, being the last line of defense when you know the federal government's overreaching and you know not just federal government overreach but also uh you know some of the intrusions from immigration and things like that uh the others uh you know uh i think rick pates was impromptu i think he oh i'm supposed to give a speech here today <laughs> um so, so they all had their own little quirks to them uh if you will well about wes allen how'd he do he did okay. I mean, his was um, his was fine. Uh, I, I I wouldn't say it was anything remarkable, but I, I don't I don't think in that moment. I think it's more about the governor, probably. So that's you know these guys are deferential to the governor. Well, okay. So let me ask you this: within the content of the speeches, like for instance, I note y'all ran a story today, or actually yesterday, on eighteen nineteen. They said that both Ivy and Ainsworth seemed to hint at school choice, although when I kind of read their direct comments, I didn't truly hear school choice. It's like an inference. So um, your thoughts, what do you you think came out of the speeches that says, okay, there's a policy thing they're pushing for? Well, she definitely mentioned giving us – she definitely mentioned school choice, but I know it's like this thing they do with the charter schools and talk about that, right? Um, But she definitely mentioned it. So – uh, Senator, if you look at the governor, I mean, we don't, I don't, even if you look at the entirety of the campaign of 2022, what is her agenda? What is her legislative agenda that I want to go hang out with the Carhartt bros at the uh, shooting range or, uh, uh, you know, stand up to, to Joe Biden and say, this is, we speak English here. I mean, there was real, no clear picture to me. So my hope yesterday was to get something and that's about what we got. We got something but not really sure what so she mentioned education and all throughout the governor has been talking about education and the importance of getting education better so uh, two things from that well i mean maybe two and a half she said something about partnering with the dolly pardon promise library thing uh, which i guess gets some people kind of excited but she did she did mention school choice but she kind of tied it to the whole charter school idea, not like school choice, probably like a, a robust school choice, like a lot of what we said. But she also yeah. made a pledge that before the end of her term, Alabama would be in the top in, in the 30s uh, when it comes to these rankings. So you always hear 52nd out of 50. Well, she says that we'll be up in the 30s by the time it's all said and done when she has well, her way. That would be – if she can make that level of a jump, that would be significant, and I would give her props if she did. But what, I, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm hearing you heard 
Uh, so I'm, I'm secondhand here. What I'm hearing you heard, though, sounded like, hey, the safe thing about school choice is to talk about the only school choice that we already have, which is like right. scholarships and uh, charter schools. Let's don't talk about things like open enrollment or, you know, um, uh, allowing kids to have full portability. Uh, and, and so it, it sounds like they kind of stayed the safe route without really going anywhere. They talked about it, but they didn't really say they're going to do something new. Well, uh, you know, Ainsworth, I think he didn't really give us, he, he sure led about school choice, but the lieutenant governor doesn't have as much power. So let's just, uh, at least he paid a nod to it. The governor was what I was looking for more than anything. And uh, no, she just did not, she did not seem as if it was, uh, I mean, at the very, very top of her list, but then again, Senator, I mean, Gambling did not get mentioned. Um, a lot of what uh, the good from the last four years got discussed, but uh, it's still we're sitting here today on January seventeenth. I, I don't know what she really wants to do in her second term. Well, term. And, and I and I agree. I mean, I I think she wanted to get elected. That's what her term is. She wanted to get elected, and um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I I would love to see more of a forthright position statement as to here are the agenda items I'm asking for the legislature to work with me on. They She could do that, but she literally has almost like chosen not to do that. Um, well, let's, let me caution you though. Yeah, what? She didn't say a whole lot in 2018 and we got rebuilt Alabama. Yeah. Um, you, you saw how COVID was handled. I mean, the, the, the problem is the silence and the, the vagueness could be just as much of a problem and it could be anything because i mean they didn't run on raising your gas taxes but they sure as heck did that was probably before i think the last session probably the the, you know the kind of the cornerstone achievement of the entire legislative quadrennium so let me ask you this uh in the last uh, couple minutes we got you guys ran another story came out yesterday so we've been talking you even on the the grand council when you and dale come on on wednesdays we have more than once talked about whether there's going to be tax reform, tax cuts, tax rebates because of the level of surplusage that we have in our, our, our coffers right now down in Montgomery. You guys ran an article that seemed to say that um, uh, on Dale Jackson's show that Senator Arthur Orr, who's one of the leaders in the Senate and a budget chairman, he's now seems to be kind of hedging on the idea whether there'll be tax reform. He says tax rebates are still definitely on the table and then, but then later on, he did say maybe some small cuts for retirees, talk about the grocery tax. But he, but he was really kind of poo pooing the idea that we can do much in terms of tax reform. Have we just gotten the bait and switch? Did you hear anything during the speeches about this? No, and, and nothing about taxes. Uh, maybe unless you read between the lines when they talked about responsible budgeting. But uh, I, I just think his colleagues have kind of pushed back and said. Uh, Senator Orr, it's not going to happen. We we don't want a big tax cut. And the governor has, has essentially said as much, too. I, I think if Orr, in his defense, had his way, we might see something a little more. But it just doesn't sound like among legislators there's an appetite for it. Well, you know, I, I, I guess – if, if nothing else, constituents need to start telling legislators it's time. But uh, I don't know what else could be said because, uh, because truthfully, you've got every state in the southeast that has made some measurable effort at tax relief of some kind except Alabama, period. And if there's not uh, an impetus to do it by watching your peers in neighboring legislatures or by hearing from your constituents or by recognizing you're supposed to be a Republican, I don't know what else we could say or do. 
Yeah, and, and, and it's 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 really weird, you know, Republican supermajority. And it's not like this money is I mean, it's not like we just have a one time year. It seems like every year there's some kind of surplus you're dealing with. They've paid off every rainy day fund. Uh, all we are told is we had to prepare for the pending doom and gloom that hasn't gotten here yet. Well, we shall see, man. But um, all right, you went to the festivities. I didn't make it this year. I guess I'll try and make it four years from now. But uh, when, uh, you know, I guess and Ivy will be gone at that point, so we'll see who comes in and takes her place. Well, uh, at least there was good weather this time around. Usually yeah. this is my third one of these, and I froze to death. Uh, this time, not so much. Well, at least there weren't tornadoes this time, too. How about that? Yes, fair, fair enough, fair enough. All right, uh, Jeff Poor, uh, host of the Jeff Poor Show on FM Talk 1065 down in Mobile and the executive editor for 1819 News. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. All right, man. All right, Boomer, take the break. We're done with home fries. We're going to move to the next one, which, by the way, this next one is fascinating to me. I call it in hindsight, like looking at this story, hey, would they have done it again? I hope not. I'll tell you more in a minute. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Um, uh, text lines have blown up. If you want to text in, call in 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. And, and then, so i gotta, I got to slow it down for those who always say I read it too fast. It's 833-687-4448. And the twang is there for you as well. <laughs> I got to have an accent, man. Uh, I had a, I had a friend of mine who um, he had a very like he had a very deep South accent, and um, and you know I, I I'm a, I'm a y'all guy. I, I I just but but I don't know. Maybe I move so much that maybe mine's not as strong. But uh, but he was one of these guys who when he talked now he talked like this a lot. Smart as a whip. I looked at him one day and I said. I believe you are the fastest thinking slow talker I've ever met. <laughs> fastest thinking slow talker. The fastest I like thinking it. slow talker I've ever met. Um, <laughs> all right. Hey, by the way, the text lines are going boom. So I'd, I'd see if I can touch over here and find out what's going on. Uh, if my mouse will work, boomer, I, I got no. Okay, all of a sudden I'm working again. Um, oh, by the way, I did have the guy who emailed me a moment ago. Uh, just goes by the name Greer. Greer emailed me. And uh, and and said, in essence, uh, I, I got I got the big correction about the Saturn rocket. Right. It was like with exclamation points. So, you know, it's a Saturn one. I okay. I'm sorry, but then he he texted back in. He goes he goes thanks Phil. Love your show. Love it when a retired Army major that's him gets to correct a colonel. Didn't always work out so smoothly in a 22 plus year career. <laughs> Greer, thanks for your yeah. service, man. Now do some push-ups. All right. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I get it. I was wrong. It's a Saturn one. Uh, Chappie from Madison um, 
he's uh, sending the picture of that abandoned town. Yeah, the Centralia Mine Fire. Yeah, Chappie, I talked about that on my show not long ago, uh, where that coal mine's been burning for decades. And, uh, and just the, the entire town is now gone. Um, yeah, so you grew up near that. That's pretty interesting. Um, we got, uh, oh, there's that one. There's that one. Uh, Jeff from Indiana and Dustin from Hazelgreen both sent us pictures of the, uh, the, the Saturn rocket at the, uh, the uh, is that the truck stop one or is that the Space and Rocket Center? Now, Dustin, I think, is sending us, yes, Dustin sends us pictures of the, the, the rocket at the Space and Rocket Center. And then Jeff from Indiana sent us pictures of the one at the truck stop, which I'm sure he sees on a daily basis because that man does some driving. Um, but uh, very cool. And uh, anyway, Dustin, you have a great time, man. It looks like he might even be there at the Space and Rocket Center now. So anyway, good times. Uh, Robert from Athens. Does Alabama really have a Republican supermajority, as Jeff stated, or is it more realistically a rhino supermajority? Well, <laughs> Okay. First of all, I know all, I know most of them personally. I served with them for eight years. I will say this: they are they are Republicans, but there's a difference between being Republican and being conservative. Um, and and a lot of them will tell you that they are ultra conservative until they vote on fiscal matters. And for some reason, we've got a great track record in our Alabama legislature voting on what I would call the social or cultural issues. You know, things like. Um, transgenders, uh, uh, men and transgenders, in, male transgenders in women's sports or uh, um, the, the abortion pro-life bills. And, you know, this, we're, we're strong in that regard, some of the strongest in the nation. But fiscally, I believe they've gotten lazy. And in some ways, they've gotten fat. And, and they've got a surplus down there right now because we put some things in place back when I was in that have made it possible to actually have a surplus. And yet, what they've done is help raise our taxes and refuse to give any tax relief. And it's time for the legislature to know that we expect more out of Republicans. You have an R by your name for a reason. That should mean something. And so listen, I don't want to hear any more about, well, it's one-time money. You know, we got to be careful. Okay, there's prudent, and then there's just reluctant. There's two different things. Write that down, Boomer. That was good. <laughs> there's prudent, and then there's just reluctant. Prudent literally means you're being careful. You're taking a perspective that says, I'm going to view this carefully. I'm going to make sure I know all the facts first. I'm being prudent. Reluctant means I just don't want to do that, man. I don't want to do it. Well, okay. Stop being the reluctant fiscal conservative and just be what you say you are. We're going to downsize government. We're going to right side taxes. We're going to make sure that the people of this state know that Montgomery is for them. Well, then do it. Stop talking about it. All right, I got on a rant. I didn't even get into number two of the Triple Dipper yet. When we get back, I'm going to this next story. Here's the uh, first headline for you. You ready? I'll, 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 I'll whet your appetite with this. A Seattle socialist faces a new challenge from a sustainable pot farmer. I kid you not. We'll talk about it when we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned.
Hey, all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about we are way down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, all thrown in just for good measure. Hey, listen, before I go any further, I got to tell you guys, um, so my friends at Riley and Jackson, I was actually talking uh, to them this morning, um, but you heard me talk about them before and their work on the Camp Lejeune water contamination cases, which you may still want to call in on if you haven't already. And then also the the fact that they've been working on this issue of carcinogenic firefighting foam. So if you've been a firefighter or in the military using firefighting foam, you may have been exposed to a carcinogenic version of that foam. Uh, But that's what they do. And by the way, they're based in Birmingham. Don't let that put you off. They're based in Birmingham. They work statewide. So they are working on mass tort litigation. They're working on personal injury. They're working on things that basically it's if you've been harmed by the negligence of others, they exist for that purpose. Riley and Jackson, let me just tell you, if you're looking for an attorney, these are folks that I work with on issues. I've worked with them on, you know, uh, cases before, and, uh, and I think the world of them. Uh, and here's their number. Doesn't matter where you are in the state. You might want to give them a call if you have a need. They, by the way, they will not charge you for the call, and they only get paid if they get you paid. So here's their number, Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. So give them a call and tell them you heard about it on, on Right Side Radio. Uh, oh, that thing I got to do. You ready? <sighs> no representation made the quality legal service before it was great, but quality legal service before the other lawyers. Remember, that was maybe my best one ever. You weren't, you weren't timing it, right? I was not timing it, but I bet somebody was. They're, they've been, they've been uh, setting your times on the text thread. I just, I just watched in the... Because we have a delay on the uh, video, and I happen to see my mouth moving so fast, and I was like, <laughs> it's like somebody sped up the film. <laughs> Ew. Anyway. All right. Hey, we're moving to number two in the Triple Dipper. I'm calling this In Hindsight. I look at things, and I'm thinking, if they had it to do over again, would they vote for that person? Would they pass that bill? Would they want to do over? Are they regretting it now? Are they getting buyer's remorse? So in hindsight, all right, the first one I found, though, this one, this one feels like a woke world segment. Remember last week, Boomer, we had, was it last week we had that story that just got all over us um, about the, the na- what was yes, it? The na- yes, I know exactly which one you're talking the, about. I can't even repeat it because. Native American queer art collective <laughs> dealer who faked her Native American status, and she's also non-binary. That's what Correct. it was. That's what it was. Non-binary queer art collective leader faked her Native American ancestry. That's what it was. <laughs> How much wokeness Ooh, can you sling into one headline? That's like, okay, I need about 15 different wokeisms to put in one headline. There you go. Here's another one. You ready? Hotair.com. So we all know that Seattle is the uber-liberal you know, capital of the uh, left coast. Um, granted, San Francisco and Seattle, I'm pretty sure they duke it out to be who is the more liberal of the two in terms of their leadership. There's wonderful people in both communities. 
but they have to live under certain leadership. Well, Seattle's Socialist City Council member, Shama Sawant, well, she's arguably been a disaster for the city, says this article from hotair.com. In 2020, she was the council member who pushed for a 50% cut to the police budget. 50%. By the way, keep in mind what was going on in 2020. That was the year of the riots. That was the summer of love. Summer of love. The year of the riots. And they had the whole Chaz Chop thing going on in Seattle. Well, she wound up being the only person on the city council, though, who voted against those you know, draconian police cuts but not because she was against the cuts, because she thought the cuts were too small. She wanted them cut even further. So when the police chief criticized that move, then Sawant led the board to cut the police chief's salary, and the chief wound up quitting. Sawant also represents the Capitol Hill section of uh, Seattle, which is where that whole Chaz Chop autonomous zone was set up uh, a couple years ago, and she was actually in favor of letting the mob take over permanently. Why? Why would you cede that to uh, anarchy? Well, because she's an anarchist herself. In 2021, she narrowly survived an attempt to recall her by a few hundred votes, but now she's facing a new adversary. Here's the headline that grabbed my attention. The kind of thing where I look back and think, first of all, are they regretting that they ever allowed her to be in office? Well, apparently they are because they had a massive recall effort to get rid of her. But she barely hung on, like by 100 votes in the entire city uh, or the entire voting district she's in. So she, she hung on through a challenge because obviously they're having, you know, a look back, a buyer's remorse on her. In hindsight, can we please get rid of Shama Sawant? Well, the headline says, Seattle Socialist Faces New Challenge from Sustainable Pot Farmer. So, <laughs> you can, you, and by the way, what they didn't add in is um, uh, Seattle Socialist faces new challenge from activist LGBTQ sustainable pot farmer. That's, that's where we are in Seattle. In fact, the author at hotair.com says the challenger's name is Hollingsworth. Says Hollingsworth bio might not work in every part of the country, but I guess we can say that at least she's a capitalist concerned about high taxes. Well, she is. She's a business person. She uh, uses uh, sustainable energy solutions to grow legal marijuana. Uh, and by the way, her wife, is a senior diversity and equity officer at a local community college. And I look at this and think, is there anybody left in Seattle who is in hindsight saying, what in God's name do we allow to happen out here? When is somebody going to grab the reins in Seattle and go, hey, uh, yeah, I'm a conservative, and by God, it stops now. When? When is somebody going to say that? I, not today, apparently. Because right now they're too busy putting up the sustainable uh, LGBTQ activist pot farmer to run against the socialist who cut the police budget by 50%. Seattle, the home of Frazier and the Space Needle and all that. Hey, maybe I hear the blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. All right. Um, next one. I'm in the in hindsight. So here's a headline for you. Ex-defense official. I signed the disinformation letter on Hunter's laptop, even though I knew the contents were real. So in hindsight, is he regretting or just telling a statement of fact? So if you remember this, back in 2020, during the election season, just prior to the election, the October surprise dropped. The New York Post got a copy 
of the Hunter Biden laptop, and they ran the story, and immediately it became a suppressed story. It was the most egregious version of information suppression, perhaps in the modern world. And, and they literally shut it down, all the social media platforms, the major media news outlets, and when they did say something about it, it was Russian disinformation. Well, if you remember this, there was a letter. It was an open letter signed by 51 former high-ranking intelligence officials, all of whom signed on saying this has all the indications, they say, of um, Russian disinformation, meaning we were paid to be your true intel sources. Pay no attention here. Do not look at the man behind the curtain. This is not a thing. Don't worry. We're in charge. We know intelligence. You don't. Well, in my opinion, it went from being intel to psyops because they now are saying one of them literally came out the other day. A guy named Doug Wise, Douglas Wise, a former Defense Intelligence Agency deputy director. He was one of the 51 who signed on to that public letter. He recently said this, quote, all of us figured that a significant portion of the content had to be real to make the Russian disinformation credible. In other words, what he said was there were large grains of truth in there. We just didn't like the, you know, the, the conclusions that were drawn. Well, no, 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 no. That's not what you said. That's not what you said back then, sir. You basically said, pay no attention here. Look the other way. Nothing to see here. Move along. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And in reality, what he's saying now is, well, yeah, I mean, we knew some of this content was real. Really? Really? And yet you put your intelligence career on the line. Your, your entire intelligence career reputation on the line. Your good name, along with 51 others, people like former Defense Secretary Leon Panetta, former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, former CIA Director John Brennan. I mean, it was a who's who of retired intel guys. Nothing to see here, except apparently there was everything to see there. Because they knew. And now they're saying they knew. Why are they saying it now? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because there's about to be an investigation by the House Republicans. And they better go ahead and start trying to correct the story now. That's, that's what's happening, Boomer. They're, they're literally saying, hey, you know, um, <laughs> you don't, don't overthink what we said. I mean, that's not, that's not where we really were. <laughs> you know, when we said Russian disinformation, we didn't mean like Russian disinformation. We just meant Russian disinformation. It's a total psyop. They're, they're gaslighting the American people. And now they want to sort of walk it back a little bit. I guarantee you that uh, that guy's not going to be the first or the last. Not, not going to be the last, I mean, to, to come out and say something more mitigating as they get closer to being called in to provide testimony uh, to a House committee on their Russian disinformation about the Hunter Biden laptop. All right. Uh, tell you what, I'm jumping over here and looking over at the, uh, the text lines. Um, I got a, got a ton of stuff coming in. I tell you what, I'm going to check some of these out, but we'll just take a break right now. We'll do that. We'll take the break about a minute early. I'll check out the text lines, come back and tell you some of the thoughts from, man, a lot of thought, like, oh my gosh, a lot of texts came in the last few minutes. If you want to text in yourself, 833-687-4448. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back.
And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Hey, I gotta, I gotta do some acknowledgments here on the text messages. I had to start running through the string and just pulling what I could. Uh, by the way, hello to one of our new texters, Barsha from Rogersville. Barsha, we're glad you're on the text line. Keep them coming. Um, Roger from Ardbor. Uh, texted in, talking about how he remembers as a kid when the uh, rocket was put up there at the uh, at the rest stop and uh, and what it took to to move it there. He thinks he remembers the people that actually did the moving. So there's there's that. Uh, Juan from Newmarket, uh, with regards to Seattle, uh, says there are no evangelical cis white males remaining in Seattle. I hope that's not true. Um, but but yeah, okay, there it is. Joe from Owens Crossroads about Seattle says I love that place so much. It's so beautiful. He was born and raised in Seattle. But it's just gone crazy. He said they literally elect socialists to city council thinking that those ideals will bring a positive outcome. Yeah, I, I've been out that way, too. The Pacific Northwest is gorgeous. It is absolutely, you know, it's, it's, it's got its own version of paradise out there. And uh, so it's a shame. But uh, their politics are killing it. Um, Joe from Owens Crossroads. Did I get his already? Yes, I did. Juan from Newmarket. Uh, and then um, several more. Uh, and, uh, and, and Paul from Athens just, just texted in. Glad to have you on the line, Paul. Um, uh, okay. Hey, uh, I got a caller on the line. Let me jump over there. Is that Jeff? Yep. Jeff from Indiana. How are you doing, brother? You passed that rocket yet? Yeah. And if you'll notice those pictures I sent into you there, there's graffiti on top of the escape rocket there. So apparently Spider-Man must live in Alabama. Wow. Okay. That's, that's a dare that could have gone horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how, I guess they climbed the guy wars or something. I don't know how they got up there, but yeah, if you look closer, it's, there's the graffiti on top of the escape rocket. I mean, how's that conversation go? Is that is that a redneck going, here, hold my beer? Or is that like some kids going, do it, man, you'll be cool. Everybody does. I mean, what? I, I think it'd probably be, hey, man, come here, watch this. Hold, 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 hold my bag of uh, uh, hallucinogenics here because i, I got to be out of my mind. To go up wow. <laughs> Red Bull gives you wings all the way to the top of the rocket, I guess. But, uh, hey, so those pictures you took, those were today? Was that fresh? But, you know, you're talking about this uh, Russian oh, disinformation and everything, you know. Yeah. Could, could you hear me? Okay. Uh, you know, when are we going to start calling out the American disinformation? I, I want to hear somebody say, well, this is American disinformation, because it's exactly what it is. You're talking about the uh, the letter signed by the uh, intel officials I was talking about a while ago? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's. That's all it is. It's, let's you know everything I hear is all this Russian disinformation. Well, let's start calling it what it is. Let's call it American disinformation. Anything that Biden says or anything these other people are saying is well, it's, you know, I think I need to be banned from Twitter because of uh, disinformation, American disinformation. Well, I, I did a whole uh, I did a whole monologue on that, uh, gosh, a couple of weeks ago about how this is uh-huh. the epitome of uh, psychological operations. This is where you're trying to steer the narrative in order to reach an outcome that fits your agenda and. And that's what the military has been trained to do in psyops. It's not supposed to happen on U.S. soil at all. Yeah, and, and I wonder about these. Uh, uh, Ninety-seven percent of scientists say the global. How much of that is this information? You know, uh, oh, yeah. funny that you know everybody kind of sticks together and goes along. Oh well, this you know we're, we're all going along together. This this is absolutely true, and, and even though it's uh, you know they don't know if. It's, uh, of course, keep, like I say now, it's climate change. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, 
they they, they they got rid of global warming because it's too specific. They had to give it climate change so they can say whatever they want to say. I mean, there was a time, Jeff, you and I are both old enough to remember the days of acid rain was killing the world, and then there was going to be the, uh, the 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 polar ice caps were melting, and we we're gonna we we're gonna wind up having global you know uh, flooding, and then it was going to be uh, you know the the, uh, the loss of the ice cap. We were going to see no more polar bears, and then you know now it's in it with global warming, and then now here we are. Carbon offsets are going to yeah. save the world. They still fly their private jets. It's just unbelievable. Oh, I wonder where that ozone hole went to. <laughs> oh yeah, the whole hole in the hole in the ozone. Although that did make for a great movie. One of my favorites, The Book of Eli. You ever seen that one? No, I haven't seen that. Oh, Jeff, I'm questioning your manhood now. Oh well, sometimes I do too, but <laughs> <laughs> I've been married a long time. Uh, all right, hey Jeff, you have a great trip, man. Uh, Be careful on the road. That's just good. That's just good. So, Boomer, you seen the Book of Eli? Oh yeah. I mean, you are a man, right? I am, and I've seen it. <laughs> and the very first time, it took me about halfway through to figure out what was going on. Yeah, and no, no spoilers. We can't tell the end in no, case somebody hasn't seen it. That's why I was just saying. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't. I didn't catch it until the end when they, you know, they gave the twist ending. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I still that that movie. I mean, Denzel Washington's one of my favorite actors, no matter what. Yes, he could. I don't care what he's in; it's he's Denzel, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but, Book of Eli, just something about it, and I and I love. I've always been fascinated by post-apocalyptic movies. You know, the, like what would it look like after, uh, you know, Armageddon or whatever. Um, and and this, if you haven't seen Book of Eli, folks, I'm just on a, I'm waxing. <laughs> I am totally off topic because I only have a minute and a half anyway, so I'm gonna fill it with the Book of Eli. But, but she, <laughs> it's one of those that Charlene knows if I'm flipping the channels, there's a couple of movies that I'm gonna pause on. It's gonna be Book of Eli, Tombstone, and Oh Brother Where Art Thou. And now, now I will say this: she texted me the other night with a quote from Tombstone and said, "What am I watching?" And I was literally said. Tombstone, you're at the scene where it doesn't... Anyway, Book of Eli, <laughs> post-apocalypse. And the main character, Denzel Washington, has a, is on a mission. He's been told he has to keep walking west, carrying the last Bible known to exist in the world um, to get it to a safe place. That's all you know. And he has to fight... It's basically like you know living in Mad Max times. And uh, he has to fight his way to the west uh, for his mission. And... There are some of the best fight scenes I have ever seen in that movie, and and also and Boomer that that one scene too where he he pulls out firearms and they think he doesn't have real firearms that are going to work and oh, oh boy right. he does <laughs> and oh boy was a shot too was he not oh yes um, well anyway Man, Book of movie. Eli Book of Eli Ooh. Denzel Washington how can you go wrong uh, good stuff good stuff and, and Tony from Piedmont's already saying awesome movie yes it was. Uh, I can't hear. Is there music playing? Did the, uh, did, did... It is playing in 15 seconds. Okay. I, th- I thought I heard something. I was like, should the pastor stop talking? I don't Almost. know what to do right now. Almost. You have 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> book of Eli, Book of Eli, Book of Eli, Book of Eli. Anyway. All right, folks. Listen, we're going to come right back. Jim Jordan just fired back at the White House about what he expects. And I'm wondering, is the Biden, is the Biden White House having buyer's remorse about the Mar-a-Lago raid? Yeah. I'm in number two of the Triple Dipper. Hindsight. And I'm wondering... In hindsight, are they kind of wishing they hadn't raided Mar-a-Lago because now chickens are coming home to roost? We'll talk about it in a minute. Y'all stay tuned.
right side ruffian. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, sometimes even the international. And yeah, covering down on all the issues, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is third hour already here on uh, Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday, by the way, we call that Camel Eve around here. It's uh, Camel Eve. Man, I'm just excited about Camel Day. <laughs> that just gets me excited. <laughs> Tomorrow's Camel Day, Yay! guys. We get uh, to hear the camel. Yeah, got to hear the camel. Can't play it on the earlier days because that would take away from the specialness. <laughs> That's right. So it's That's special. right. Is specialness a word? It, it is today. It is. I it like is specialness. Yeah. I'm all about some specialness. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm in number two of the Triple Dipper. In hindsight is the name of it. So I look at this and think, okay, there are a series of stories I kept thinking, I wonder if they're in buyer's remorse. I wonder if they're wishing they never voted for that person. I wonder if they're thinking, ah, oh, could I have a do-over? Can I get a mulligan? <laughs> well, the FBI doesn't get mulligans, you know, and, uh, and, and you know, I got news. Presidents of the United States don't often get mulligans either. But I'm wondering if the president of the United States is sort of wishing they had done the whole Mar-a-Lago thing differently. Um, okay, well, the, the whole Mar-a-Lago thing uh, and the whole thing with the finding the Biden documents. Yeah. My thing is, is okay, the Mar- Mar-a-Lago happened. Yeah, it did. Why would President Biden not just go on and get all of his documents out of his house after that? Well, there's... <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Okay, you know it just happened. Why? I mean, come on. But put you on the screen so we can oh. we can we can dialogue. I mean, people hear your voice in the background. Um, I forget to do my that sometimes. Okay, I, so <laughs> live streaming, live streaming. Um, so okay, so your point well taken. Uh, except that there is there's okay. Here's here's a variety of um, views on your question. R- frame your question again. All why? right. So why would he not go on and get rid of all the documents in his house, knowing that he already had the raid on Mar-a-Lago? The assumption being, first of all, he knew there were documents in his house because he could remember there were documents in his house. <laughs> if, he, if he could remember that, and I, and I, I guess that would be the... And I say that because, think about it, when you're flippant with something, when it doesn't mean much to you, then, I mean, like like for me, like uh, I'm trying to think of something that is means like, okay, like I've, I've got a watch that a friend gave me that I've been wearing for years, right? Mm-hmm. At night when I, you know, you know, get my comfy clothes on... Uh, my watch goes in the same place every time, so I know where it is. I care about it. It's it's specific. I, right. I'm taking care of it. Um, but you know, like uh, a Dixie cup that I just drank water <laughs> out of, I might leave it sitting on the side table, and Charlene go, "Could you throw that away?" Oh, I forgot it was there because I could care less. Oh, well, kind of like you know, all of our junk drawers that everybody has. Yeah, everybody's got a junk drawer, and you don't even know what's in it sometimes. <laughs> we have an important drawer that's it's, a junk drawer. It's a very important drawer. <laughs> And if you're that's missing something, is. that's where it is. But but so my point, though, is it depends. I mean, if, if Biden was as flippant as it appears he was, he may not even remember he put that Dixie Cup classified top secret document in his garage. Hmm. He might not even remember that there was one in the desk drawer at his library. 
he may not have no clue that they, you know, it was, I mean, because he was so flippant. So either A, he doesn't remember, or B, he's too flippant. But then the question, you, you bring the point. I, I go back to, okay, but they did do a raid on Mar-a-Lago. And then apparently soon thereafter, they found the first batch of documents, which does seem to indicate that there may have been an oh crap moment in someone's mind. Mm. Like, oh crap, we just raided Mar-a-Lago. Hey, sir, uh, like, yeah, did you, you don't have any documents laying around that we need to know about, do you? Well, um, you know, uh, I had oatmeal for breakfast, and um, <laughs> but then they sent somebody, and guess who went over? His lawyers. His lawyers went over to pick up documents, and no one knows why it was his lawyers. But it's interesting wow. to me, to answer your question, I don't know the answer to this, but I, 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 assuming that he cared enough to remember... Or, you know, for that matter, it might have been someone else. It might have been Jill Biden who said, honey, I think we'd better check the house because when I was dusting the library, mm. you know, so we don't know um, if Biden even remembered they were there because he was so flippant. But then again, there is a reason why they went and looked. And I think it was an oh, crap, buyer's remorse on having done the full on raid on Mar-a-Lago. And oh, crap. Now we got to live up to the same standard. So. Yeah. That, make, that makes complete sense. And, you know, another side of it could be that some people are, I guess, some people that I've heard talk about would be, you know, maybe it's the Democratic, you know, side that's kind of being like, hey, you know, we kind of maybe need uh, Biden out of office. Oh, so you're, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so that, that, and some people have mentioned that to me. There's, 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 okay, yeah, I, I agree. Um and, and by the way, Jason from Huntsville just texted in and says, A, there's no way he remembers anything. And B, remember how flippant he was regarding the loan guarantee that he withheld from Ukraine in 2014, and the premise was they would release the funds if they fired the prosecutor investigating Hunter Biden? I, I do recall that. I mean, mm. the man has been so privileged for years. Forty years in the swamp has made him um, a creature of entitlement. I, I know how this operates. Don't try and tell me this. Mm. Um, and and I, I really think that he was just operating on Joe Biden's uh, level of classification. He could care less. I'm Joe Biden. Don't you right. know? I'm, hey, hey, what's wrong with you? You a junkie? I'm fine. You're a dog-faced pony soldier. Question me. I know documents, man. What's wrong with you? You a junkie? Anyway. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I got to say something, too. I'm going to lay this out there. I told Charlene an observation. You know, sometimes you can see something, hear something, and, and you can see beneath the surface. And every once in a while, that happens, even on a national scale. And you remember the other day, Boomer, when um, the president was responding to Peter Ducey's question about, what were you thinking, Mr. President, about having documents in his garage? And oh, he said, right. he, and he said, they were in there with my Corvette. Like that, that meant something. any better. I know. And then, and, later, and then a few minutes later, he goes, but they were in your garage. Yes. And my garage with my Corvette is locked. <laughs> and I looked at that and I thought, the only here's here's Phil's, you know, analysis of why the Corvette came out of his mouth. It came out of his mouth because he's a prideful man. It came out of his mouth because mm. it was his way of trying to assert the moment that you don't speak to me. I'm the kind of guy that can have a classic Corvette in his garage. Do you have a classic Corvette in your garage? I dare you to answer that question. I've got a Corvette, buddy. That's what that was. Mm. And, and, and there's no other reason why it made sense for it to come out. A rational person talking about classified documents does not mention the car. 
And oh, by the way, I'm a Ford guy, but still. It, uh, but uh, it's right next to my 1986 Chevy Silverado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but there's no reason to mention his classic car, except that it was his way of asserting himself in the moment, trying to regain control of the moment. It was a prideful moment where he basically said, "I'm the guy who can have a classic Corvette. Mm. Who are you to question me?" Well, that didn't go over very well. It made it worse. Yeah, uh, pride usually digs a hole. This is not even on the list, Boomer. What no, are we doing that, here? I mean, it was more on the you know hindsight, and I was just asking the question. Well, so the, <laughs> back to the uh, Triple Dipper. In hindsight, thank you very much for steering me back, Boomer. I yeah. appreciate it. Uh, by the way, though, you heard the pridefulness of the Corvette thing here first. If you hear it again on Fox News tonight, it's because they listened to my show. All right, um, so foxnews.com has a piece dated January 16th. That'd be yesterday. Jim Jordan fires back at the White House in the Biden document fight saying Republicans want fair treatment. So here's the deal, man. Talk about buyer's remorse. Talk about hindsight. Are you sort of wishing you'd done something different, DOJ, Biden administration? Well, now guess what? The Republicans are in charge and they're going to investigate. And they want to know. And here's the question from Jim Jordan. Why was President Trump's home raided but not President Biden's? Why did the FBI take pictures of President Trump's so-called classified documents but not President Biden's? Republicans just want fair and equal treatment under the law. That is not an unfair request. If you're going to if you're going to treat the situation this way and you're going to mock it on the news and you're going to call the current president in to mock the previous president and talk about how Completely irresponsible was that, man. Well, guess what? Now you're having buyer's remorse, aren't you? You got way out over your skis, and I would guarantee you that someone is going, did we have to raid Mar-a-Lago? Could we just not finish the process? Could we have not insisted and just showed up one day and said, hey, yeah, we need to talk? No, they had to raid Mar-a-Lago and go in there and go pilfering through, um, you know, Melania Trump's closet for crying out loud, go into his son Barron's personal room. It had, to, it had to go way beyond the pale and then take pictures of it all and then release the pictures for the general public's consumption. Except now, in hindsight, maybe that's going to come back to bite you because had they just found documents and made a fuss and moved on and maybe even pressed charges, okay. But the raid, and now we're... Biden, they keep finding more documents. And oh, by the way, they knew the documents were there back in November and didn't say boo about it. Double standard, man. Double standard completely. Speaking of double standards, if you go to Mar-a-Lago, and this is according to Trump, so there you go. Trump claims Mar-a-Lago is a highly secured facility with security cameras all over the place, watched over by our staff and our great secret service. And he says, I have info on everyone who comes down there. In other words, you're signing in, you're signing out at Mar-a-Lago. Mm, not so at the president's personal residence in Delaware. Now, you may look at this and try to go down the same route that the president's personal spokesman is saying. Like every president across decades of modern history, his personal residence is personal. Is that the way you felt about Mar-a-Lago? Okay. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't claim that. That's, that's disingenuous. It doesn't even work anymore. But here's the problem. If it were someplace that, like, you know, the Crawford Ranch where President Bush, you know, would go back and visit periodically, maybe once a year, twice a year, President Biden has gone back to his Delaware homes 
literally something like 57 times since he got elected. Weekend after weekend after long weekend. What that makes it is that's the other White House. He's not going to Camp David. He's not going to the place once in a while. He's going down there like every other weekend of his presidency, usually for a Friday through Sunday. And you have to ask yourself, okay, if you're the sitting president and you're, you're doing this every other weekend, who's down there with you? How many visitors are you bringing in? And oh, by the way, is this the place where you go have the quiet meetings where you're outside the beltway? Hmm. And so now the question is, why were there no visitor logs? Well, we don't have to have a visitor log. It's a personal residence. We use visitor's logs in the White House. Trump didn't always do that. No, 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 no. Stop. Stop. Well, the White House just announced, as of uh, Epoch Times running the story yesterday, the White House just announced there are no logs or information of any kind on who visited the Wilmington House, which has, by the way, in terms of Trump's uh, opinion, flimsy, unlocked, unsecured doors and a very now very famous garage. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it boggles the mind. But folks, make no mistake, that was the other White House, or it maybe is the other White House. That's the place where he goes to get away, and I guarantee you he's not always getting away. Because when you're the President of the United States, you're on duty 24-7. And I cannot help but wonder how many quiet meetings took place outside the Beltway at the Wilmington residence on who knows what with who knows who. It's the other White House. And if you're going to visit it once in a while, I get it. If you're going to go every other weekend for a long weekend using government assets to get you there, guess what? Have a freaking visitor log. It's, it's not too much to ask. All right, let's do this, Boomer. I ran long, man. You just let me sit here. Just keep talking. I'm just, I'm just. You were on a, you were on a good rant. <laughs> I was watching the clock this time. Take me to a break. <laughs> Take me to a break. Take me to a break. We'll do it. We'll come right back. I'm wrapping this thing up. Let's see if we can get into Swamp Watch before I finish up. That'd be number three on the Triple Dipper. I got some good stuff in that one, too. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Hey, I got I to gotta stop just for a second and tell you guys, ZLA Solutions, so I was talking to one of the uh, dudes out there at ZLA Solutions uh, just this morning, as a matter of fact. Um, they are kicking it. So, And, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you this, too. They are hiring right now, and one of the things I can tell you is that ZLA Solutions is hiring for high-tech jobs on-site at Redstone Arsenal right now. So if you're a high-techer, uh, check out their website, ZLA Solutions, ZLAUSA.com. Contact them. And, and they've got these are, these are high paying, white collar, uh, you know, high tech jobs on site uh, at a major new installation at Redstone Arsenal. You might want to check them out. But they've got jobs posted all over North Hub, all kinds of jobs, everything in the world you could think of blue collar, white collar, no collar. They got all of them. And if you're an employer or looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, then man, 
listen, ZLA Solutions, you might need to give them a call because they can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing for you. They, they like to say, here's the deal. They like to say it's their motto. At ZLA, we don't, we don't make it. We make it better, which means they come in and try to help you make your business better. And they just had the best year on record that they've ever had. And I mean, it was a big one. And it's because there's so many employer groups using their services to help them make their business better. So check them out, ZLA at ZLAUSA.com. All right. Um, hey, I, have I got a caller? I do, don't I? I'm sorry. Let me jump on that before I run out of time. Uh, is that Brian? Brian from Huntsville. How you doing, brother? Mighty fine. I hope you folks are doing well with all that. I am, sir. What's yeah. on your mind? Well, visitor logs. That uh, d- d- Doesn't Mar-a-Lago and an ex-president having Secret Service protection have uh, visitor logs in his home? Yeah, I, I, I feel certain that he does. There's actually a gatehouse to get into Mar-a-Lago, for that matter. But, yeah. But uh, then why it's why it's uh, a lago or Wilmington, if you will, are there no visitor's logs? Well, that's, that's a great question. I mean, and it's like I said, it's it's even beyond being the place that he goes to once in a while. The, 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 the current president has been yeah. there basically every other weekend since he got elected almost. And he's sitting president. Yes. He's not former sitting president, which is the point of difference on what that yeah. Now, how easy it is to, uh, for anybody to dodge, to dodge your secret service? No, Everything you're, is supposed to go on. You're, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah, Brian, yeah, thanks for the call, there. man. Appreciate yeah. you. Had trouble with his signal. I was getting just parts of it. But what was the last thing he said? Could you hear what he said there? All right. No, well, okay. <laughs> it Brian, was just breaking up. Yeah, Sorry, was, Brian. Um, well, nonetheless, his point is well taken about why he's a sitting president. Why would he not use a, um, uh, a visitor log? Listen, uh, I can tell you right now, having gone to the governor's mansion uh, several times in Alabama, you have to be logged in. They, they know who's there. It's not like you just wander in, wander out. I mean, those days have been gone for a long time. Um, and I've, I've been to the White House before. You get a chance to go. Guess what? They know who's there. Uh, there's, and so the idea that the president didn't even bother, didn't, he knew he was doing, he didn't want a record who's coming to his Wilmington home. Like I said, that's been the other white house. That's been the place where I, I, I'm just speculating here where I think he's been going just to, you know, have those quiet meetings, the kind that don't go on the record. All right, listen. I'm going to go ahead and drop the rest of this content on In Hindsight. I got several more, but I'm going to jump to the third one. Swamp Watch. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering down on some ground across the great state of Alabama. I'm talking about we cover the entire northern half of the state from way down south of Birmingham to up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back over to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, even thrown in just for good measure. So the next section I've got here is called Swamp Watch. Okay. Phil, you just talking about D.C.? No, not necessarily. Swamp Watch. Those swamp rats, those those ones that dwell in the swamp, the, the ones who, this is by by a right side definition, the 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 swamp rats are the ones who are so into their environment that they can no longer see that what they are doing makes no sense to the outer world. They only see what they see in the swamp. They they are literally they they're 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 basically they're nose deaf, they're tone deaf, and they're ear deaf, and they're blind. And they don't see it anymore. They only know what they know in their swamp. And so they are determined to move forward, never mind the fact that what they're saying, doing, acting upon actually has no bearing upon reality. Or for that matter, if it did bear upon reality, it bears wrongly upon reality. And it needs to be rejected. Not, and I'm, I'm not even just being, you know, being a contrarian here. I'm saying that Often what I'm looking at right now in these stories about swamp watch, people that are swamp rats that are so deep in their environment that they can no longer know what it's like outside of their environment, are doing and asking for things that the average citizen needs to just go, stop, just stop the madness. Here's one, and this is not even an official government action, I get it, but it was the first story out, and I thought, you know what, that sounds almost like a woke world. It is. But now it's taking something that we've known and some of y'all have loved for years and made it something that it was never intended to be. So I don't know about y'all, but I remember back in the day when the Miss America pageant was a big deal and, you know, and then the Miss Universe pageant was a, a big deal. And, and, and I guess technically it still is a big deal. I, I, I don't seem to see it headlining anymore like it used to back when I was a kid. But how about this? Miss Universe is now changing, according to redstate.com. The story came out yesterday. Such was made clear in the recent declaration by the pageant's new owner. The show was held Saturday, and the new CEO, I'm going to do my best with the name here. She's from Thailand. The new CEO is Anne Jakafong Jakarajatip, anyway, told the audience it's a transformative day. You see where I'm headed here? At the 71st Miss Universe competition. In other words, this has been going on for 71 years. But now she is heralding the fact that female dominance has finally come into play. What does this mean? From now on, we are told by the new CEO, Anne Jacafong, from now on it's going to be run by women. Just so you know, Anne Jacafong Jakarajia Tatip is a transgender. Anne is a dude who is now extolling the virtues of women's dominance as she helps to control the Miss Universe contest owned now by a woman. You're not a woman. You're a dude. For all women, really, Anne says, around the world to celebrate the power of feminism, diverse culture, social inclusion, gender equality, creativity, the force for good, and, of course, the beauty of humanity. Ooh. I'm actually about to... I taste a little something in my mouth right now. Excuse me. I was born as a trans woman. No, you were born as a dude. I'm sorry. But Anne is a Thai billionaire, and she's the biggest shareholder in JKN Global Group Public Company. Good. I mean, great for, great for Anne. Um, and she bought the Miss Universe organization. Oh, 
Ann had nothing better to do than to go screw with something that people have, have seen for 71 years as being about women so she can make it about trans women. She bought it for $20 million. Got enough money laying around, $20 million. I'm going to go and get some transgenders to come be Miss Universe. It says, as for transgenderism, though, the pageant has been moving in that direction since at least 2018. That was the year that someone named Angela Ponce became the first biological male to compete. I didn't even know that. Did you know that, Boomer? Biological, I did not. Bi- but yes. Well, I'm glad <laughs> you and I weren't tracking that headline. Yeah. 2018, a dude competed in the uh, – um, actually won the lower pageant to represent Spain. So the dude oh, won Miss Spain and came to the Miss Universe contest. And then in 2012, there was a male Canadian hopeful who even sued the Miss Universe over the right to participate, and the organization had to relax its rules. I'm, I'm saying no. Just, just, you're so deep in the swamp, you don't recognize that what you're saying is literally making no sense. Here's another one. As long as we're not making sense. <laughs> Daily Wire reports as of yesterday. Boomer, I think you and I need to move to San Francisco, at least for a short period of time. Oh, really? Yeah. Do tell. Well, we could be millionaires. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. As long as we identify as black. I kid you not. So here's the deal. <laughs> the San Francisco Reparations Committee, because they have so much going on in San Francisco that, you know, they need to do a reparations committee. The San Francisco Reparations Committee proposes a $5 million lump sum payment and debt forgiveness and debt forgiveness to all qualified black residents. Bo- what, Boomer's giving me the look. Yeah, so they're they're giving out this free money and stuff like that just to the black residents of San Francisco, yep. and they're, clearing their well, debt. Well, they're talking about it. They oh, haven't done it yet. It. Yeah, here's here's so it says San Francisco Reparations Committee proposed a plan to city officials last month that would pay longtime black residents of the Northern California metropolitan city five million dollars each, while also granting total debt forgiveness for facing decades of systematic repression. So let me ask you this. If you have a million-dollar house in San Francisco, are you truly repressed? Says the San Francisco African-American Reparations Advisory Committee hmm, submitted the report to the Board of Supervisors just before the new year, which addresses public policies created to subjugate black residents in the Bay City area and creates and includes a list of financial compensation, such as the $5 million reparations. Here's, here's, here's how you qualify. I'm reading it to you. Okay. Residents who qualify for the payment must meet at least two criteria from a list of requirements. So at least two from this list. They have to be at least 18 years old. Okay. They have to have identified as black or African-American. I don't know. Identified, not? Yeah. First of all, I got Got three things there. You have to identify as black or African-American. I don't know. Is that that the same? I thought they were the same. I thought... Yeah, they had to specify both. I don't know. I identify as black. I don't identify as African American. But anyway, so there's that. And okay, and they and they. Oh, I'm sorry. They have to have done it for at least ten years. We're out, bud. All right. Oh. Mm-hmm. And prove they were born in the city sometime between the years 1940 and 1996. This is feeling really awkward right now. All right. Other requirements from the report include residents that have lived in San Francisco for at least 13 years. Or have personally been incarcerated. What? Oh, man. What? So you get out of prison and you identify as black 
you get $5 million and debt relief. Or, or here's the other criteria, or you're the direct descendant of someone who was in prison during the war on drugs, which U.S. President Richard Nixon declared in 1971. What? Well, I just, I don't understand their thinking. Nobody does. Like, why are they even discussing this? Well, so first of all, I will say this. I am glad to see reparations for anyone who can prove that they've been a slave. Yeah. There. There you go. I'm on record supporting reparations if you can prove you've been a slave. We're not going to find any because it's been gone now for 150 years. But the Chronicle in San Francisco reports the State Reparations Task Force believes that approximately $569 billion would then be due to black Californians just for housing discrimination alone. Oh, the Board of Supervisors President Aaron Perskin says the Chronicle says he hopes his colleagues will approve the plan and the mayor <laughs> plans to review it in the near future. Wow. It ain't going to happen. No. It's ridiculous. It's virtue signaling. It has no hope in reality. It makes no sense, in th- not only in theory, but in practicality. And yet they are so deep in their swamp, they can no longer see straight and this is what they have to do to prove that they care. If I were, if I were in charge, I would have given you $5 million for simply identifying as black. So, Rachel Dolezal, you can have your job back and you get some money. Okay, do they just do this so it makes it look like they really care so that they're going to get their votes the next time? Virtue signaling. Yeah. It means a lot, man. When you're a lefty, you got a virtue signal. Wow. It's not about what you do. It's just it's about, about what you signal. signal. Mm-hmm. All about the oh, signal. man. All right, before we go to the break, I'm going to do what is probably one of the grossest stories. Um, brace yourselves. I'm not even going to talk about parts of it. Oh. Here we go. Townhall.com. These people are so deep in the swamp, they can't even think anymore. Townhall.com. Children's Hospital Gender Program touts uterine transplants for trans men from live donors. I kid you not. A children's hospital gender program navigator claimed in remarks last May that healthy women can donate their reproductive organs to biological men who identify as transgender women. It was a presentation called Fertility in the LGBTQIA plus community. And it was unearthed this week and circulated on Twitter. In other words, somebody found the film and went, oh, the world needs to know this is being talked about. And sure enough, the presenter from the University of Pittsburgh's Children's Hospital says, quote, One area that's not been looked at before in any serious way is could the donors be live donors? So first of all, there are dudes that want uteruses to be transplanted into them so they can be more like a woman by having organs they were never designed to carry. And the woman in this case actually is a transgender herself. She's a dude. But she says live donation has been something the transgender community has talked about for decades. It was really thought about as magical thinking. This will be a live donation from a person who was assigned female at birth, assigned female at birth, but identified as a transgender man. And they say, I got these parts. I don't want them. Do you want them? You need them. So what if I gave them to you? We don't trade parts. This is not a kidney transplant to save a life. This is not a lung transplant. This is not, you know, this, this is, this is the, when they're so deep in the swamp, they can no longer think straight. They look at things like, Hey, I want to be a man. So I'm going to have all my parts taken out that make me a woman. And if you want them, you can have them because you want to be a woman, even though you're a man. So how about this? I'll agree to give you my uterus. 
what, in, what is happening right now? And there's some people right now that don't even want dinner. It's sickening. Yeah, it is. It's insidious. It's, it, to me, it's, it's depraved, and it's, um, it's moving down a road. This is beyond the Hunger Games now. This is, mm. this is literally a society that has lost its way. There's a segment of society that has so lost its way, it's so deep in its own swamp that it can no longer think straight. And it finds it to be reasonable to hold a presentation to say, we're thinking about the possibilities of a live donor giving their uterus to a man so they can have female body parts implanted in them because that's the way it was intended to be. Man. There you go. Take me to a break while I recover. God mighty. Tony from Piedmont just texted in, God's going to smite us. Mm. I'm not so sure he hadn't already. Phil Williams. Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Um, Hey, before I go any further, Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. You may be driving right now, you're headed home, you're thinking tomorrow morning I'm coming in, I'll stop and get the biscuit, I'll head on in with the cheap cup of coffee. Mmm, 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 mmm. Let me just suggest something different to you. How about you give yourself an extra couple of minutes and you go to Just Love Coffee Cafe? Maybe you go down there and you get the uh, berry berry waffles or you get the womlet, the giant omelet cooked in a waffle iron filled with everything in the world, including tater tots. Or maybe you also get the, you know, the coffee you would never get otherwise, the one Charlene calls the treat coffees, the, like the cappuccinos, the lattes, the espressos, or just for that matter, ask them if they've got any fresh ground, award-winning, dry roast coffee, light, medium, dark, you, you pick it. But yeah, Just Love Coffee Cafe, on your way in in the morning, it is worth getting there and just skipping the usual biscuit, man. I'm just saying. Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations, Hughes Road in Madison, South Parkway in Huntsville. And please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right, I am in uh, number three of the Triple Dipper Swamp Watch, which I'm defining different than what you might be used to because they talk about D.C. being the swamp. I'm defining the swamp as that place where swamp rats live, and they get so deep into their swamp environment, they don't even know what's what's up anymore. They can't, they can't see past their own environment to recognize that the things they're doing make no sense to the rest of the world, that have no bearing in reality. Um, well, I got a bunch of texts, by the way, on that last thing about, um, you know, people donating their uterus to, so that transgenders could uh, be more like a woman. Uh, Tina from Madison just texted in and says, well, figure out how a man can birth a child. It'll cure that desire for female parts. They simply don't have the hips for it, no matter how many uteruses they have, <laughs> with a laughing face in the middle of it all. Um, we got uh, another one uh, texted in and is, is rethinking being on the organ donor list right now. <laughs> I saw that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Um, we, you know, David from Coleman says, uh, referring to the transplant of a uterus, where is it going to go? 
And I said, I have no idea. And God doesn't either because he didn't design it that way. Um, yeah, just, just wow. Uh, I got uh, Tony from Piedmont. Makes you wonder if you even want to live in this vile, evil crap. But I'll keep a smile on it. Maybe and save, maybe save it. That's exactly right. I'm, mm. I am not doing this show every single day because I've given up. Um, mm. we, we may keep in mind, and Boomer's waving his hand yeah. in the air. Yeah, that's right. That's right, that's by right. golly. Um, but, but keep in mind, was there a Sodom and Gomorrah? Yes, but there was also the rest of the world. In mm. the middle of it all, of Sodom and Gomorrah, he found, God found Lot and his family and decided they were worth saving. Um, so I'm just telling you, it may have, there may be some madness going on around us, but listen, there's a whole lot of good out there. I posted something on my, I showed you that video, Boomer, of the um, oh yeah, the hair the hair stylist or whatever. Yeah, that young, was young lady was wow. in the it's in my Twitter feed. You can go if you follow me on Twitter at Sin Phil Williams. That's S E N Phil Williams. Um, young lady's uh, got cancer, and so she's um, the video has her sitting in her. Um, hairstylist chair and she's crying because she's having her hair taken off for her treatments and and she's extremely upset and you know just watching this thing um, the hairstylist begins to comfort her and talk to her and then when he finishes with her he starts shaving his own head mm. and i and i texted that out and i said there are good people in the world still and um it's there's there's stuff like that happening every day hey um something wow. else is happening in the swap watch you know, Democrats have gotten so spend, spendy, they, they're, 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 money is nothing to them anymore. But it's not just Democrats, it's also moderate Republicans. It's the Romneys and the McConnells and, you know, the, um, what's her name, uh, Murkowski, um, Susan Collins. They don't see it anymore. It's a thing that we do. We're going to make stuff happen because we're going to print more money. Nobody cares. Well, there's a new group in the House that care. And I love this. You'll be glad to know this. It maybe wind up being the last story of the day here. But right now, the Daily Wire has a story that came out yesterday because the debt ceiling limit is about to be reached again this Thursday. We're, we're well over $30 trillion in debt now. $30 trillion. The, the, the interest payments on the debt alone is in the hundreds of billions of dollars annually. And they're talking about raising the debt again. In fact, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned Congress not to block, block the raising of the federal debt limit. In other words, what she said was, you better let us put more on that credit card. You better let us raise it. We got to keep spending. We got more things to do. But right now, the new Republicans in charge are saying, ain't going to happen. In fact, Representative Tony Gonzalez, speaking on Fox News Sunday, echoed, he says, the debt ceiling is no doubt going to be a knife fight. And I'm glad. I hope it is. Kevin McCarthy says, they are holding fast to their commitment that they're going to cut spending before they ever raise the debt limit again. And so you've got uh, Republican James Comer of Kentucky saying, we hope the Senate and the Democrats and the Republicans will all agree to spending cuts. This has to stop. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad somebody, somebody is saying and doing something, and I hope they stick to it. All right, what an amazing show. Guys, appreciate you. Boomer and I are back here tomorrow at 2. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Y'all have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.
right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.